From the Hype HQ studio in Chicago, Illinois, it's Startup Hype Man, the podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Raj Nation, and I am the founder of Startup Hype Man. Fast-growing startups work with me because they want to become better storytellers. Whether that's for customers, investors, or a packed audience, they know that story is their ticket to stand out, stand apart, and change the game. And this podcast here is where I talk with entrepreneurs and leaders in the startup ecosystem, ranging from scale stage to early stage, as they share specific strategies that they have executed to stand out across three specific areas, sales, marketing, and people. Before we begin today's episode, remember you can head to StartupHypeMan.com and subscribe to the newsletter that doesn't suck. You'll get new podcast episodes and timely reads written by me, but also helpful articles from around the web and a notice of upcoming pitch competitions. All right, let's dive in and hear how today's guest is changing the game. Ladies and gentlemen, making her way to the microphone from San Diego, California and currently residing in the Bay Area in California. She is one half of the first couple of this podcast, as well as the Director of Global Customer Success and Program Operations at Appin. Please welcome, Shali Reed. Thank you so much, Raj. What a fantastic intro. <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you. And to kind of just rehash that introduction, her name is Sholly Reed. She is the Director of Global, Global Customer Success and Program Operations at Appen. Appen is a publicly traded company. They've been around since 1996. They help their clients enhance their best-in-class products and services around the world, including search engines and social media platforms, voice recognition, recognition systems, sentiment analysis, and e-commerce sites. Overall, Appen provides high-quality training data to confidently deploy world-class AI. And Shali is managing a team of nine customer success managers across the SMB, mid-market, and enterprise, and strategic accounts, plus a team of two on the program ops team. And I mentioned she's part of the she's one half of the first couple of podcasting. Why? Because a couple of years ago, we had her husband Devin Reed from Gong as a guest on the show. So you are now officially the first husband and wife to both be guests on this show. So uh, thank you for, for joining me today. And I, I guess Absolutely. that's that's something to celebrate is being is being a husband, first husband and wife on this show. I don't know if that's an honor, if it's actually something well, think, that you don't want on your resume. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's great. He's, he's phenomenal at what he does. So it's a privilege to be tied to him. Um, but I'm actually more excited to just chat with you. Um, you know, heard fantastic things about you, your company and your podcast. So just really excited to spend more time with you. Yeah, awesome. And this is actually only I think the second time you and I've ever actually spoken, though we've like mm -hmm. communicated through DMs and messages on LinkedIn and Instagram a bunch. So I feel like I know you way yeah. more than uh, only having talked to you for the second time. And yep. uh, again, I'm also super pumped for this conversation. So what we're talking with Shali about today is something that she has a lot of influence over, and that is driving expansion revenue from your customer success team. Shali, why is this on your mind? Why is this important to you? Um, so, you know, I think that the biggest kind of a factor when we talk about the customer success team is always about retention, right? But we never talk about the expansion piece. So how can we leverage the customer success team to bring in net new revenue 
from their existing customer base. And that's something that I've spent years crafting. That's something that we're implementing at Appen from an expansion perspective. And, you know, from my perspective, I think it's really phenomenal when you have a CSM who becomes a trusted advisor that can then guide the relationship from a renewal, but more importantly, from an expansion perspective. One thing I always tell my CSMs is how are we taking $1 and turning it into $3 and really driving that revenue for the company as well as driving and that's really what I've just spent years crafting and great. So um, that is a phenomenal question. I think from my perspective, I have spent the past 11 years of my career really crafting and uh, figuring out how to message expansion opportunities. One thing I tell my CSMs is it's really important as they are trusted advisors to find opportunities for expansion to really help deliver more value for the customer. So one thing we focus on is turning $1 into $3 and generating extra revenue by peeling the onion back deeper by being those trusted advisors and by finding new ways to provide value to our customers. We're going to dive all into that throughout this conversation today. But before we do, let's learn a little bit more about Shali, the person. So um, Shali, you and I have some, I guess, I guess we share a similar background in that we're both um, Indian American. I'm going to presume mm-hmm. you are also first gen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. So Maybe we've had similar upbringings. Maybe we have not. I'm curious to know, what is your family structure like and how do you feel that has influenced the way you think? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So my family structure is that I come from a tremendously big family on both sides. So my mom is one of eight siblings. My dad is one of six siblings. We actually moved from Connecticut, where I was born, to San Diego to be closer to my mom's siblings. Uh, I was brought up in a very close-knit family, so the running joke was I never needed friends growing up because I had so many aunts and uncles and cousins. Uh, That, I would say, was great from a foundational perspective, but it actually hurt me from a professional perspective because I was fed the narrative of the traditional Indian woman, right? So you get married, Mm. you have a family, you, um, you know, make sure that you're supporting your husband in his career, make sure you're supporting their kids and their education and their careers and keep it moving. And to me, that just wasn't acceptable. So as first generation, I was the first one um, out of my siblings. So I'm the oldest sibling as well to move out to San Francisco for college. Uh, I will tell you the first three months were ridiculously hard because I was so close to having family around. But after that, I got a, a sense of independence. I got an idea of really figuring out how to excel. Um, I don't necessarily know if my parents agreed with it at that time because they thought, oh, you know, she's just this, uh, she's our daughter. She's a young woman. She's out in the world by herself. We're worried about her. And then I think if they look at me now, 11 years later, they're proud of the fact that I did not go on the path that they had suggested, right? They are proud of what I've built. Um, They might not necessarily understand all of the decisions, but um, I did break that narrative and 
now I'm just focused on figuring out how to break the ceilings <laughs> constantly for the rest of my career because, uh, you know, we just had a daughter and I want to make sure that she knows she can accomplish whatever she wants. You mentioned how you were fed the traditional Indian narrative of, you know, your essentially your job is to be someone else's husband ultimately and and bear bear children at the end of the day. Now, I know that's one thing to say, okay, well, this is like limiting me, right? It's another thing to actually act on it. Cause I think there's a good, there's a good number of women, especially Indian women who like, they want to do more, but they don't feel like they are allowed to, or that they're able to. Can you mm -hmm. talk through just that switch of recognizing that's not what you want for yourself, but then also the confidence to act on it, knowing that it's, you know, different quote unquote. Yeah, that's a great question. I think I fell into it, right? So what I mean by that is I just knew that I wanted to do something different. I didn't necessarily know what that different thing was. So after I graduated from University of San Francisco, I was looking for jobs. At that time in 2008, the economy um, was just not doing well. So I ended up taking a job at Wells Fargo as a professional banker and fast forward, you know, I don't know, 13, 15 months. Um, commercial banking was just not my thing. I did not enjoy it and I wanted to get out. I had no idea what working at a startup was like, what technology was like. And I ended up um, responding to a friend's post on Facebook for a CSM position. And that's how I got into technology. Two years into that first job, I still had no idea, you know, what equity was, what working at a startup was, what shares were, how you got paid from an IPO or an acquisition. But my first company, Demand Force, ended up getting acquired by Intuit at that time. And I ended up just getting a nice little chunk of change in my bank account. And at that point, I was like, hey, what is this? Like, let me understand. Oh, this is nice. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, cool. And, you know, it wasn't even a phenomenal. I think it was something like $36,000 from an equity perspective. Right. And um, I was like, I don't I don't understand this. Like, let me go and understand this. And I think, you know, as an Indian American, as anybody from a uh, underrepresented community or uh, people of color that, you know, don't have access to these tools, we all have access to Google, right? When you go into Google and you search in a string of words, a string of characters, it's going to pop up all of these results. And you're really going to learn what equity is, how working at a startup could benefit you, what an IPO is, what an acquisition is, how you merge two companies. And so I just started Googling everything. Um, and that's how I really learned. I, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have somebody who was teaching me. I didn't have parents who understood this, right? Because they are immigrants, respectively. My mom's from Africa. My dad's from India. Um, they had to drop out of school to help raise their families. So they didn't have access to all of this information that then was readily available to me on Google. And so I just started researching on my own to learn, oh, how do these pu puzzle pieces fit together? And that's how I built my career. So on one side, I had, you know, my male uncle's telling me, you can't, you won't, you know, your path is X. And then on the other side, I had access to Google that was teaching me everything that I didn't have access to before. And I found it interesting. So I kept going down that hole. And the more I went down that hole, the harder it was for me to go back and fit a traditional mold. So it was 
as you said, it wasn't necessarily like a plotted strategic move. It was kind of just like curiosity leading the way, yeah. ultimately getting you to that point of like, well, here I am, right? 100%. And I think that the flip side of that is, you know, I think there's always going to be somebody who is going to tell you you can't, not because they don't think you can, but because they don't understand what you're trying to accomplish. And in that narrative, you have to take a leap of blind faith in yourself and say, it's fine if I don't understand it completely. I'm going to go and try to research as much of it as possible. And then I'm going to go and test the waters, right? And you start by putting a toe in the water. That toe becomes an ankle. That ankle becomes a knee. That knee becomes, you know, your waist. And you just keep going until you really learn how to swim and thrive in that environment. So, you know, I would say don't let the the fear of people talking to you about, you know, the negatives override the curiosity that you have to figure out, you know, what is right for you ultimately. Everyone's words are formed or a product of their own life experience ultimately. Yeah, 100%. I absolutely agree with that. Let's talk about how you got towards Appen. So you talked about how you kind of stumbled into customer success, but how did you find mm-hmm. your way towards Appen? Absolutely. So um, I actually joined App. Well, Appen acquired my former startup. So in April of 2017, I joined Crowdflower as a manager of customer success. So operating in a player coach role where I was managing some of our more complex engagements, but also managing a team. In uh, on my first year anniversary, we rebranded from Crowdflower to Figure Eight Technologies, and then on my second year anniversary, we got acquired by Appen. So that's how I landed at Appen, and, and um, today we're you know uh, merging two organizations. We're really trying to unify products and services and provide customers with the best white glove service approach to handle all of their data labeling needs and help them deploy world class AI. So let's dive into our main topic then, which is around driving expansion revenue through customer success. I'm curious, in your opinion, what is the like what's the purpose of customer success at a company? And I feel like oftentimes this gets conflated with customer support. So I'd also like to mm-hmm. hear is customer success and customer support the same thing? So I'll start with that second question. Uh, customer support and customer success are not the same thing. Your customer support function is a reactive function that allows customers to reach out to a slightly more technical user to answer questions about the platform or the product, right? So for us, we have inbound emails, inbound chats that come in from our customers who are potentially working in the platform in real time that maybe get stuck, that maybe come across a bug that need assistance. Customer success is completely different and should be more of a proactive function. So this is that outreach that we're uh, enabling or taking customers through to really drive value of our tools, our platform, and making sure our customers are getting the return on their investment. So your CSM is really the quarterback for your client to really help them let's say, uh, rope in the correct teams for any type of mission or business objective they have to drive the value of the platform or the product. Mm. 
So customer success is about, or let me make sure I have that right. Customer success is about driving value or platform of the product or driving value of the platform or product or customer support is about driving value. Customer success is about driving value. Your support team is also going to drive value, but they're not doing proactive outreach, right? Mm. So my CSMs are going out there and they're scheduling quarterly business reviews to say, hey, here's how we're measuring up against the success criteria you set a quarter ago. Is this still accurate or do we need to redefine what that success criteria is for the next quarter? Um, hey, you have uh, additional users that you added to the platform. Let me go ahead and get them trained so that they understand how to build their jobs, their use cases, and then they can get the quality data that they need. Uh, oh, I noticed that there was a ton of interest in um, learning about what Appen's data labeling projects are. Let's go ahead and schedule a workshop so that I can not only give you a high-level demo of the platform, but I can help your users in real time understand how to use the tools and generate new business use cases, right? So we're constantly from a CSM side trying to take the relationship further. We're trying to uncover new opportunities for partnerships. And we're really figuring out how do we continuously expand the footprint within an organization to ensure that we're as sticky as possible in their processes. So that's an, that, that idea of like becoming sticky with them, I think is really interesting, especially because I think one of the biggest challenges um, that you often find where, as it relates to churn at a company is the sales team will like they they did they they get customers not necessarily asking themselves is this the right customer because it's like well it's money okay. and money helps me personally as a salesperson hit my goals so can you talk through like the importance of being aligned with like CS being aligned with sales on what makes a good customer versus a bad customer and and like how do you develop that relationship where you know, one is looking out for the other here, like sales looking out for CS and vice versa. Absolutely. Yeah. So those are <clears throat> sales and customer success are two peas in the same pod, right? Um, in order for one team to flourish and grow, the other team needs to be supporting them. And, and that's vice versa. That goes both ways. And so from a um, <clears throat> relationship, our sales and CS teams co-own the relationship. So while the salesperson is responsible for really doing discovery and creating the SOWs and making sure we understand the use case. The CSM team is then responsible for delivering against those SOWs and making sure that we're um, meeting our customers' goals and success criteria and business objectives. <clears throat> I think that, you know, regardless of any company that you go to, um, especially if you're working with enterprise logos, those two teams need to live in complete harmony in order to make sure that we are supporting our customer from the most strategic position possible. So when we talk about a handoff between sales and customer success, as soon as a contract is signed, we go through the contract details, we understand which CSM would be the best person to uh, place on this account. And then from there, we conduct an internal knowledge transfer. So this is everybody from a pre-sales perspective that touched this account, whether it's solutions engineering, solutions architects, uh, sales, maybe a BDR is included, um, linking with the post-sales team. So your customer success person, maybe a professional services attached to that. Um, and they're doing a knowledge transfer. So they're really going through all of the details of the sell. What did we sell? 
how did we sell it? Was there a competitor that we won against? If so, who was the competitor and why did we win against them? What are the customer's expectations from a delivery perspective? What are the success criteria that they highlighted? How are they quantifying value with our purchase? And then let's go into the nuances of that customer. So what are our users like? What, what, um, what types of relationships did you curate with those users? Are there any quirks or are there any nuances that we should be aware of? Once we do a complete deep dive on the internal knowledge transfer, we then move into an introduction to the customer. And that's when the CSM starts engaging and picks that up. There are definitely instances when we introduce the CSM prior to the deal being closed, but in the majority of the cases, that internal knowledge transfer is the first step to really setting that customer up for success from an onboarding and implementation perspective. So you mentioned this idea of two Ps in the same pod, and I think part of this as well is being um, essentially aligned on goals, and part of being aligned on mm -hmm. goals is knowing kind of what you, what your team represents. Something you had told me the last time we spoke, which I thought was really interesting because I had not heard it before, was that you actually have a mission statement for your team specifically, like there's the company mission statement, but then you have a CS team mission statement. Is that, I mean, is that a strategy that you came up with? Did you learn it somewhere else? And can you talk through like, you know, what, what is the mission and how did you come up with that? Yeah, absolutely. So this is, this is something I've been doing for a couple of different organizations in my career. Uh, I think it's really important for the CSM team to be aligned to what the corporate vision is. Right. So taking the corporate vision, tweaking that and making that um, relevant to the customer success team so they understand how they're contributing to the overall business objectives and goals from their perspective and their point of view. So my team's mission statement today is to help data driven individuals make machine learning work in the real world by providing intelligent solutions for all of their data labeling needs and giving them the confidence to deploy world-class AI. The CSM team will accomplish this by ensuring each customer achieves their desired outcomes and ROI through their interactions with Appen. Mm. So the first part of that mission statement is the company's mission statement consolidated. The second part is specific to the CSM team and how we as an organization are going to contribute to the overall company goals through our actions and our outcomes with our customers. That's so uh, that connection is really interesting, especially because it's almost like it's like the CS mission statement is the okay, so like how like it. You're calling it a mission statement. I'm almost hearing it more as what's the tangible output for us on a day-to-day -day basis? It's, it's almost like it's like a directive, if you will. Is that a fair statement? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the goal here is to ensure the team has a motto, has a mantra to operate by on a day-to-day -day basis when they're coming into work Monday through Friday, right? And if sometimes that mm -hmm. trickles into Saturday and Sunday, they at least know that this is my goal and this is my objective with every interaction that I'm having. And in order for me to have a successful interaction, I need to make sure that I'm upholding my organization's values and mission statement at the highest level. 
I want to talk more about what those interactions look like. But before we get into, before we talk through that, I just want to take a quick sidebar here. This entire season on Startup Hype Man, the podcast, we are featuring the different elevator pitches that we've created for Startup Hype Man clients using the proprietary Kpasa elevator pitch formula. Today, we are featuring Avana, an Australian well-being company, um, and we're featuring their elevator pitch today. Shout out to the Avana team based out of uh, Melbourne, Australia. And one of their target audiences is um, chiropractors. And so if you're in the Australia area, if you're in the Melbourne area and you're probably in a situation where you're looking at your schedule and you're seeing, maybe maybe there's one too many openings here. Maybe you're saying, hey, my, my website isn't generating enough leads. It's hard to stand out. And I could probably use a few more patients to feel better about my own practice month to month. Well, that's where Ivana comes in, simply helping you fill the white space in your calendar. As Australia's only dedicated well-being marketplace, chiropractors are using Avana so, so that new patients can easily find and book their available time slots. And the great thing too is there's no annoying sign-up fee either. So the whole the whole thing is get on Avana, get started, get new patients, get your calendar filled up, and just focus on what you do best, which is providing great treatment and getting people's bodies fixed up. You can get started at listyourbusiness.avana dot com dot au again list your business dot today on the podcast we are talking with Shali Reed the customer success uh, the director of global customer success and program operations at Appen and we're talking about driving expansion revenue from your CS team now Shali before the break there I mentioned I want to talk about what those interactions with customers look like um, I think we can look at customer success as two things success with the product they have purchased and ensuring future success, either through making recommendations, strategic recommendations, and or creating additional uh, or uh, having them purchase additional products or services from the company so that way they can grow in the way or, or expand in the way that they want to, that makes sense for them based on their goals. From the CS side, can you talk through the balance of those two kind of forms of success there? Because there is the, well, I got to make sure that what they bought, we're fulfilling on that. So mm -hmm. how do you make sure you do that without like it being like, a, oh, they just are trying to sell me every time I talk to them, right? Like, how do you make sure that that, you know, it, it doesn't become that kind of a relationship? Yeah. So <clears throat> this is actually a really interesting question. I don't think that the CSM needs to be selling in every interaction, right? I think the CSM's goal is to lead from a value perspective in every conversation. And sometimes when you're exposing value or sharing value, that naturally leads to an expansion conversation. So my first uh, my first directive for the customer success team is to make sure that they're doing the right thing for the right person at the right time. If in doing that motion, it uncovers expansion opportunities, then it's a win-win for the organization. But the goal is not, so, you know, for example, if, if your uh, CSM just got a new customer and you're going through the onboarding process, you're going through training of the tool and making sure that the customer knows how to use the tool. At that point, there's no need to be selling. <laughs> Let's say you go into implementation, right? And in implementation, we're working with our customers to get some of their jobs launched. 
And there, maybe we quickly realize that the customer doesn't have the bandwidth because the team is small or, um, you know, maybe some of the work is tedious and they don't want to do it. Well, then maybe, hey, that's a good opportunity to say, we do offer professional services. This is an option for you if you don't actually want to be in the tool doing the work yourself. We could potentially purchase some professional services hours and have our team do this so that you're still getting the value of the tool that you bought. So it's really about making sure that anytime you have a selling opportunity, there is value attached to it. And it makes sense in the conversation instead of just saying, hey, I'm going through training. And by the way, you need to buy three other services. That doesn't make sense, right? So you really need to be strategic about where you're having these expansion conversations. And you need to make sure that these expansion opportunities are, again, driving value for your end customer's business objectives and their success criteria. Now, having said that, does your CS team and should CS teams own a revenue number? I think that CSM teams contributing to a revenue number is natural. Do they necessarily need to own a revenue number? I would say that that probably varies from business to business. Hmm. I think from my perspective, and you know, every CS leader is different. I don't think that there's a right way and a wrong way. I think it's a person's personal preference at the end of the day. I enjoy those expansion conversations. I enjoy trying to find upsells. I enjoy a little bit of that hunt uh, because Devin will tell you through and through that I'm a salesperson, even though I will say, no, I'm a customer success person. (laughs) But I think the beauty of that is that there, you know, a a CSM, a really strong CSM is a hybrid of many roles. They're a little bit of a salesperson. They're a little bit of a support person. They're a little bit of a, a technical, maybe professional services person. And they're leveraging all of the tools in their toolkits to be the best CSM possible. And so, Yes, there are some CSMs who just do not like the motion of selling. And again, I think that's personal preference. But for me, I enjoy the hunt and I enjoy creating little hunters, right? And so Mm -hmm. um, it's exciting when we find expansion opportunities to really do the discovery, making sure that we're peeling back the onion as far as possible, understanding what that opportunity can look like from a revenue perspective, and then helping our sales team go ahead and win that deal and that opportunity to continuously grow out the relationship. And so, because I enjoy the hunt, I have hired people who also enjoy the hunt, right? Or I have taught them how to enjoy the hunt. And so that's what the team today is comprised of to make sure that we're also attributing to the revenue goals at the end of the day. That at least, excuse me, that leads into my (laughs) next question, which is, So you mentioned like you hire people who enjoy the hunt or you train them to enjoy the hunt. The idea of selling, whether you want to call it selling or call it something else, a lot of people are very, very uncomfortable with. So what are the qualities you're looking for when you hire? And my follow-up to that would be if you hire them, but they're not necessarily out of the gate, like love the idea of driving additional revenue, How do you coach them up to get to a point of being comfortable having those conversations? Yeah, phenomenal question. So I think the first thing I'm going to lead with is no matter what profession you have in life, no matter what you're doing in life, there will always be a component of selling, right? So whether you're selling yourself 
whether you're selling an idea, whether you're selling merchandise physically, everybody I think has a small aspect of their life in which they are selling. So why not get good at learning how to sell and communicate and conveying the message? When I am looking for CSMs, I'm looking for a couple of qualities. I'm, I'm looking for grit being the biggest one. So are you solutions oriented? Are you an out of the box thinker? Are you self-motivated to really go and understand what the product is selling, how we're selling it and how, how we help customers derive value? Um, I'm not entirely sure who coined this term. It's not mine, but I, I look for people who are ambitious. So humble plus ambitious. Ah. Humility goes a long way, right? Saying, I don't know the answer, saying I need help, saying I'm going to get back to you on this answer is sometimes the best thing that you can do for a customer. And having the courage to put that forward is really important. On the flip side, being ambitious and a go-getter to really get that solution to make sure that you're the customer's evangelist and you're helping them identify whatever they need in order to be successful, that is really important as well. I think both of those lead into performance. So performance is a natural one. And then um, I think honesty is really important as well. So just owning up to the decisions that you're making on behalf of your customer or being a uh, voice for, for the customer within the organization to ensure that the customer is getting what they need. So those are the four qualities that I look for when I am hiring for a CSM. And then the last one that I would add there is just potential. Do I see potential in this person to really come in and crush their job on a day-to-day basis to come in and help up-level the playing field for the rest of the CSM organization and create friendly motivation and friendly competition so everybody gets better. And then remind me what your second question was. If I even remember it, because that was such a quality answer. Uh, I believe I asked, <laughs> I believe my second question was, if you, oh, now I remember, if you don't see that they kind of have that natural acumen um, mm-hmm. How do you kind of coach them up once you've hired them to say, hey, this is something that we should be talking to them about, even though it involves them buying more stuff? Yeah. So so that last quality on the potential piece is where uh, this question fits in. So if I believe that the CSM has potential, then I can train and develop them, right? So as a leader, my job is not only to coach and mentor, but it's to make sure I document every process and we do continuous learning and development to get the rest of the CSM organization there. So um, outside of you know documenting processes, having playbooks, creating customer journeys within respective customer success tools. So we use Churn Zero today. Um, outside of that, we do a weekly workshop with the CSM organization where we're constantly up-leveling our skill set. And what I'm doing is I'm going out into the world and I'm finding data and information and research that I think is relevant and bringing that back to the team and developing it, right? So uh, most recently, we were talking about, you know, what types of questions are we asking to create 90-day plans with our customers? So how are we identifying additional information and then taking that information and then building it into a plan for adoption utilization from Chris Voss, right? So whether 
it's his book and never split the difference, or it's his masterclass that really exemplifies and displays mirroring techniques and asking questions. Uh, those are all things that I take from the real world. And I bring them to the customer success team. And I say, let's try these things. Let's see if they're successful, right? And let's continue iterating on the process to ensure that all of us are learning and developing on a day-to-day basis. What's interesting here is what I'm hearing is that the that base curiosity we talked about at the beginning of this conversation that kind of led you into this world in the first place is also the same curiosity you are using to drive your team forward and, and to implement new processes and practices with your team. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you. Uh, you know, one of my, my mottos is, the goal is to get a little bit better every day. So in order to do that, I need to practice continuous learning and development. And in order to do that, I need to make sure I'm consuming relevant content that's out there. Um, sometimes it's not relevant and it also works, right? So like lately we've been on a, uh, a Bobby Axelrod and Billions kick and uh, some of the techniques that, um, you know, the main character Bobby Axelrod uses or uh, Dr. Wendy Rhodes use are really interesting techniques that you can learn how to incorporate into everyday life. And so if you're really doing continuous learning, you're learning from every aspect around you and constantly trying to get better, or at least that's my hope and goal for the team. Yeah. Let's begin our wrap up from here, Shali. Where can our listeners find you and learn more? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So you can find me um, under Shali Reed. Uh, and I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, the user handles are just Shali Reed there. <laughs> Whenever I ask that question, where can our listeners find you? I'm, in my head, I, it's so stupid, but in my head, I'm always thinking, what if someone responded like, like Nelly, and they were like, well, you can find me in St. Louis. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I guess you can find me in the Bay Area <laughs> sipping on lattes. <laughs> someone needs to, someone needs to, I, I put that out into the universe. Somebody surprise me and, and give me a Nelly-like response sometime. Um, uh, Shally, who is, I almost said Nelly. Shally, who is one person who you want to shout out today? It could be a coworker, a mentor, a client, could be anybody. Oh, man, that's, just one is so hard. I'm going to shout out two people. So I'm going to shout out Becky Scott, who's my mentor. And then I'm going to shout out Sophia, who is my uh, spiritual guide and guru that really helps me through life. Awesome. Well, now to wrap up, we'll each give our top one or two lessons or takeaways for the audience based on our discussion today. The topic was driving expansion revenue from your CS team. I'll go first and I'll toss it over to you. Um, to me, I think the the main thing I drew from this, and it's crazy because you, you said it right off the bat, but you said that what you ask your team is how can we take, how are we taking $1 and turning it into $3? And I think that sort of base philosophy is so helpful because I look at that and I say, if I'm in that role, my job here, I, this is not a job that, like where complacency is the standard or where it's going to be accepted. If my, like, it's like my job is at minimum to keep 
the level at what it was, but really it's to improve the level uh, beyond what they initially thought. So that, I really like that. How do you take $1 and, and turn it into three? Shali, top one or two lessons or takeaways for the audience. Yeah, I would say that, you know, each CSM team is respective to that organization. So some of these tips and tricks might work. Some of them might not work and that's okay. Um, I would say that, you know, the sales and the customer success team are co-owners of client relationships and you really want to develop healthy and strong relationships there so that it's a unified front in front of the customer. Um, and then I would say lead with a mission statement, right? It's really important that your CSMs know why they're showing up on a day-to-day -day basis, what their task is and how they're expected to do that. So um, making sure that they have that written somewhere that they can refer to it independently is, is a really strong starting point to set the tone for how you're developing the team. My final question, which is how we end every episode on this show, fill in the blank, Shali. Entrepreneurship is blank. Entrepreneurship is grit. This is because I don't think that there is one clear way to get to the top as an entrepreneur. I think that, you know, when you're looking at the graph, it doesn't go like this. It actually loops several times over and that's how you get to the top. But nobody talks about that middle journey, right? They talk about where they started and really where they ended. Uh, but nobody talks about the perseverance, the passion, the commitment, the blood, sweat, and tears that you needed in the middle of that journey. And um, that quality to me is grit. So continuously getting up every day when maybe you don't have an MVP or maybe you just don't know how you're going to move the needle forward that day, um, getting up when you have the highest of highs, but the lowest of lows and, and really thinking outside of the box, being solutions oriented, getting created, pivoting um, at a moment's notice are all necessary things in entrepreneurship. So the word that best exemplifies that to me is, is grit. Entrepreneurship is grit. She is Shali Reed. Shali, thank you so much for joining today on Startup Hype Man, the podcast. Thank you so much, Roger. It was such an honor. And uh, I, hope, I hope this makes my husband proud. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps up today's conversation. Did you like what you heard? Startup Hype Man, the podcast is available on every major platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. So be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and leave a rating and review. Do you want to be an upcoming guest on the show? Email media at startuphypeman.com with your idea and my team will review. Our theme song is Change the Game by Jay-Z, all rights owned by Rockefeller and Def Jam Records. And hey, if you want to work together on making your startup story the only one that matters, email me at rajiv at startuphypeman.com. That's R-A-J-I-V at startuphypeman.com. Well, that'll do it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you to today's guests for joining. You have been checking out Startup Hype Man, the podcast. I'll catch you next week. But in the meantime, word up, raise up.